0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's special edition episode of Fireside Politics. I'm here with my co-host, and I'll leave the uh, the politeness aside, Nick, uh, for a little, you know, a little recap of this week's tumultuous vice presidential debate. Leave the politeness aside. What does that mean? You know, I don't want to give you too much. I mean, in the past episodes, I've referred to you as friend Other things that I'm like. (laughs) But tonight, you know, in spirit of the debates, all niceties aside, I'm looking forward to engage with you in a little debate of our own around the vice presidential debate, things they talked about, the tone. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. And I think it's in stark contrast to the presidential debate we saw just a few weeks ago.
1: Oh, Absolutely. It was definitely night and day as far as civility goes, as far as substance. Everything about the vice president, presidential debate was so much better.
0: I mean, let's just dive into it then. I mean, uh, you know, let's start with like just, you know, we'll keep it straight. Let's start with the opener. I mean, I thought that it was a very, I mean, to use your word, it was a civil opener. You know, they both were very cordial. I mean, Pence even, you know, acknowledged or I, I feel like he even came out and respected Kamala, you know, given she goes through her story very shortly into the debate, have how she Steve. All right. Who gives a shit about her story? Okay. Look at the debate. Oh, Pence cared. The, the, no, no, no. Cared fuck enough that. To, okay, fuck Kamala. that. Okay.
1: The entire fucking time. All right. Uh, Pence comes in and he keeps trying to talk over her in the very beginning. And then all Kamala said was Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. And she flashes him this grin. Now, Fox News picks that up, runs with it, and says, oh, my God, look at Kamala. She's so condescending. And they're trying to do the same thing that they did to Hillary, who was—Hillary was legitimately out of touch, condescending, came off like she was a lot better than other people. But Kamala, you just can't smear her with that same thing. She's a little bit more down-to-earth, a little bit more inviting, more engaging. And overall, they actually had a very civil debate.
0: Dude, she's a straight shooter. I mean, she— and nothing about her and her demeanor came across to me as condescending, and, I, and I'm one to talk. In all honesty, here, and you know, we we look at Pence, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't say he came across as condescending, but there was a lot of the same rhetoric rhetoric we saw with Trump, where he's taking what Kamala's saying and he's almost spinning it, spinning the truth around back at her. I mean, one of the things that he talked about you know, when they got onto taxes was how you know, this, you know, Kamala did not come out and say that under Biden's plan, they are going to raise taxes by any means. But the notion of them, Biden and Kamala, removing Trump's tax cuts, Pence turns around and says, hey, well, if you're going to remove our tax cuts, which have, has increased the income of so many Americans, uh, you're raising taxes. What's the deal, Kamala? I think he has a point. I
1: think he has a point. And I think he had a lot of points early on. I oh, mean, a my lot of circle points. of friends, my circle of friends, pretty liberal. Everyone was like, "Oh, Kamala won this debate by a line, landslide." I go online. All these pundits on uh, Fox News, Breitbart, Daily Wire and others are saying, "Oh wow, Pence won this in a landslide." And so I, I really do think that whatever ideological camp you were in before, I don't think they shifted the needle too much. But if anything, I think it gave us a lot of confidence on both sides that both Kamala and Pence would be better candidates than the current ones we have.
0: Well, I mean, I I think that's an extreme, but I will say I, I will sort of reiterate that. I mean, you see a lot of people just sticking in their ideological camps, as you put it. And I think that's very true. I mean, these are the vice presidential candidates. I mean, no one's looking at you know Mike Pence currently for any you know leadership really i mean he's been he's been absent almost these whole these past 4 years i mean god damn it nick this is like the first time in 4 years i've actually heard him open up his mouth and talk <laughs> i mean this is insane but you know i i don't want to give the man too much shit because i was honestly impressed i mean he's very well spoken i think one of the things yeah. that i identified you know right out the gate you know you see him taking notes he's really analyzing what Kamala is saying. And, you know, I got to give it to him. I feel like he, you know, he was attentive. He really played the politics. I mean, he like going back to what I was saying about the taxes, you know, he took note of what she was saying and then he, you know, I guess all they can really do is take that and spin it back at them and try to play up the wins they've had. I mean, they got into the coronavirus, they got into vaccines. And I mean, you know, Kamala comes out saying that she would not trust President Trump declaring, you know p- promoting a vaccine while she would on the other hand trust scientists like Dr Fauci and i mean Pence of course fires back at her you know d- completely you know kind of digging into her about you know uh, about, about on her comment about that about the vaccine about how much progress they've made and about how many lives they will be sa- have they'll be they'll be saving um by the trump administration's kind of authority and Insight into, you know, whatever their you know, hyper care, hyper space protocol, <laughs> uh, whatever it's called. I well, mean, it was just constant, you know, reframing questions back at Kamala. Well, and I don't know. I don't know if her answers were exactly, you know, what I was looking for in response to that. Not that she didn't have good answers, but I think she could have played a little bit more hardball.
1: I think so too. And I mean, you got to look at the format of the debate. Uh, as much shit as the moderator took for letting the candidates talk a little bit over, Um, I think she did a pretty good job, especially compared to that first vice president or that first presidential debate, um, where the moderator just lost all control. This This moderator, well, I mean, he's in the
0: ring with uh, he's in the ring with two pit bulls. I mean, you know, by comparison, he's going up against she's going up, I should say, against poodles this time. And yeah, she did a good job. I I, there's a lot of shit coming out against her. I I don't think that's fair. I think think people are just. I think people are just picking at her. Uh, given the last debate and, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be, I mean, that that's honestly, Nick, this is what I don't understand, okay? It's supposed to be a debate. I'm not saying civility needs to be thrown out the door, but I like a bit of back and forth. You know, Pence is coming out and saying something that, you know, baby is very clearly a lie. I think Kamala should be able to hop in and say, hey, Pence, that's bullshit. And this is why, I, you know, let's I not agree. give everyone a minute to respond because by the time you. they're done, You've moved on. I I mean, uh, that's not a debate.
1: Dude, I I totally agree. I think they, on the one hand, had the extreme of Trump and Biden talking over each other constantly during the first debate. And on this hand, they try to completely avoid that. And in doing so, shut down all of the organic conversations that were happening to the point where it felt very robotic, where the moderator would just say, hey, Kamala, what do you think about X? Two minutes go by. All right, Pence what do you think about why? Two minutes go by. And then the second either of them try to get at, the other, at each other for their answers, and they sort of got some of that in, the moderator kept saying, oh, we got to move on, we got to move on. And what's weird to me is online, people seem to like that. They seem to like that robotic, cram everything in, like deflate all of the organic conversation going on. If anything, really, I think, you know, that's that's fine if you want to have these very pointed, specific questions that you want answered on the main stage in front of everyone, but at least have some follow-ups where the two candidates can have a long form discussion.
0: Dude, put them on Joe Rogan, sit them down in a chair for four hours, and exactly. then we'll actually
1: see what's going on.
0: I mean it's a conversation. And I think you know, to the point about, you know, they're two minutes in each box, moving on to the next question. I think that's fine. You know, there's certainly a handful of topics that we want to speak about. But honestly, at this point, do we need them to go through every item of their policy? I mean, we've know we, we've. I mean, for Trump, we've it's the same four years. We know what his policy is. For Biden, I mean, he's been campaigning for two years now. We know what his policy is. And if if you, if you don't at this point, just go to the goddamn website. I think what they should do, and as a moderator, what you should do is you should encourage conversation. I think you should be actively listening, and you should see where the conversation between the two candidates is going, and then engage them with more thought provoking questions to really dig in and poke holes at what they're saying. Let's not just recite, have them recite policy after policy because we know where they stand. Let's really put them on the spot and get an idea of what they actually think. And if they're just reciting something or if it's actually something that they believe and have the facts to substantiate.
1: I agree with you. And I think one of the places where they could have really gotten into that was on the environment. So Kamala stated that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. Fox News' Sean Hannity then goes on and quotes him in his show his nightly show saying that Biden said that he won't allow any fossil fuel plants, right? He won't allow any new ones, therefore they're all going away. However, like Kamala could have like gotten into this back and forth with Pence where she could have clearly, you know, made that clear at the very start to say, "Hey, we're phasing things out. We're going to prevent the we're going to prevent future natural gas and fossil fuel plants. But currently, we're not going to shut anyone down. We're not going to put anyone out of business. It's a phased transition. And yet, because, as you were saying, everything is so pointed and you only have time for a two-minute soundbite, all of that stuff gets thrown out the door. And then the pundits jump late at night and twist the candidates' positions to be something that they're not in any way.
0: Exactly. And I mean, even if you look, you know. To the point about a phase approach, if you look to the big oil companies, they all know what the future looks like. I mean, come on. They understand the destructive elements of what they're doing, and they understand where the industry is going more towards renewables. And God damn it, they're businesses. They know what they need to do to stay competitive and ahead of the curve. They're all adapting, whether that means making their ways of fracking or producing fossil fuels more efficient, or if it means reinvesting in, in, in renewables. Now, I'm not trying to get into an environmental debate. We've already done a podcast on that. Yeah, I was going to say
1: ExxonMobil and Chevron, but I think- the big two U.S. ones, aren't taking that approach. The European ones are taking the approach that you just said. The American ones aren't, and they need a nudge.
0: They need a nudge. So be it. But I do think, so I, I did want to call out one th- more thing related to to the environment that was brought up by Pence. And I thought this was an, honestly a pretty stark departure from Trump's rhetoric in that he acknowledged that there was a climate issue going on. He acknowledged that we needed to do something as a country. Trump, on the other hand, I mean, he's referred to it as global cooling. It's been getting colder. I mean, look at the winter. Look at all the snow we got. There's no such thing as global warming. Climate change is a hoax. There is no science there. So I thought that that was an interesting departure. And whether he meant to, maybe I'm interpreting it too literally, in that he believes in that,
1: but he doesn't. He Steve during the debate, Pence very clearly said, "We know the climate is changing," but he cast out. He said, "The issue is we don't know the cause, and we don't know what to do." so to that to that sense he's saying yeah there's some issue but we don't really know if it's man-made we don't really know if we have to do anything it's in god's hands so that's well, that's sort of a cop-out and so it's it's completely bizarre because on the one hand pence had really good grounds to attack kamala and say hey you're denying science you're scaremongering you're undermining public trust in a vaccine for covid um But then for Pence to say that about climate change and the environment, Kamala could have easily said the exact same thing. And I don't think any party in that circumstance has the right to say, oh, you're the one denying science because they're doing something similar on two different
0: issues and they're not consistent. Neither of them are. I know. And I, well, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I feel like we certainly see it more with the Trump administration. I won't go as far to say the Republican party, although, you know, you you could say that. But I think like the interesting thing that Pence brought up was talking about politicizing the vaccine, mm-hmm. you know, making it a political issue, not not, you know, accepting if Trump comes out and says that this vaccine is a cure, or even saying or touting that this vaccine is going to be available to all Americans, will help us with the coronavirus. You know, her dismissal of that, her faith or lack of faith rather in the president, making it a political issue. And I mean, again, the irony of that is you know we have trump on tape talking about the seriousness of the coronavirus and then going on to downplay that i mean if anything the coronavirus has been a political issue and i'm not just saying on the republican side certainly on the democratic side as well and i think to some extent sure it is a political issue our response that what that's why we have elected officials that's why this is such a pressing issue going into this debate or into this election, rather. But I mean, you know, it's just, that's where I feel like if we have a strong moderator, you know, they can't just be playing softball, sitting on the side, lobbying these easy questions at them and then letting them talk over the two minutes or whatever it is and enforcing these arbitrary, you know, guidelines where they can't interrupt each other. Come in, say, excuse me, Mike Pence, Kamala, this has been the most political issue of the year. Let's be fucking real here. You know, I feel like, that's that's what we need in in a debate that that's how we actually get something out of this because like you said there was really no i don't think you know big takeaways i mean everyone is still in their ideological boxes no one saw that debate and said you know what i'm going to vote for joe biden now or i'm going to vote for trump because of what i saw tonight
1: yeah i would generally agree but i think i think we could uh, dig a little deeper there so what would you say Wait, overall? We, we talked about some of the specifics. What would you say about uh, the overall tone of the debate? Um, what were your thoughts? I sort of gave some of mine at the beginning. Did you think it was more civil? Did you like the format?
0: What were your oh, overall well, thoughts? Okay. Well, did I like the format based on what I've said? No, I didn't like the format. I think it's a step in the right direction. I mean, the last debate was just chaos. And I don't think that's productive for anybody. So it's a step in the right direction. And if we're trying to have these very polite debates, then sure, then it was good. With regards to tone, again, like I said, I haven't really heard Penn say anything in the last four years. So it was nice to hear his voice. It was nice to hear Kamala come forward and speak too. And I will say, I think that they're very well-spoken. I think they're both very intelligent people. They both are. And I was very impressed with how they conducted themselves during the spate, they kept it civil. I think for the most part, they did respect as much as they could those talking guidelines. Um, I know there's a lot of quotes are coming out now or memes about you know Harris, you know, v- kind of ignoring those rules, um, and Pence too to some extent. But tone-wise, it was certainly more civil. It was at least you could listen to something, at least listen to the debate and take something away, as opposed to the last one where. I have no idea what I really listened to for two hours. It was like a freaking MMA fight. Very fair.
1: Um, I think one issue I'd like to highlight is the fly. So that totally blew up. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it too much, um, but it was sticking around Pence's hair and that seemed to blow everything up. I think the Biden camp was selling fly swatters. They still are. You had uh, all these people on the internet trying it the conservatives are trying to spin it to pretty fly for a white guy. Wasn't really sticking. Wasn't as easy as the bull the flies being attacked, attracted to bullshit. Uh, I thought that was, Oh a my good God. One, but <laughs> I
0: haven't heard that one. I like that.
1: Yeah, dude. The, uh, the fly, the fly stole the show to the point where if you go, if you went on Twitter after the debate, that's the, that was the only hashtag was just the fly. And that's absolutely insane to me because if you've looked at Twitter over the past couple of months, Um, What's been trending? A lot of social and civil unrest, racial inequalities. And that was all touched on in the debate, but none of it was trending. It was all stolen by that fucking fly.
0: Dude, I mean, I think that's because, like I was saying... We've heard all this stuff before. We know where both candidates stand. We know what their policies are. They didn't really say anything new. The most fucking interesting thing about this debate was the goddamn fly that managed to stick on t- Mike Pence's head for however long it did. And, you know, I'll give it to the Biden campaign for capitalizing on that with a with a, a branded fly swatter. I mean, that's what people like in this day and age. It's trendy. It's a meme. Um... And it's stole the show. I mean, I'm surprised that this fly hasn't gotten a sponsorship already for what he's done because really more than either of the candidates really made in terms of impact that fly made more of an impact than either of those candidates did in Absolutely. my eyes, at least
1: and the fly swatter, by the way, for people who haven't seen, it says truth over flies fly water, um, which gets to Kamala's main message on the campaign trail, which is speak truth. We have to speak the truth. Are we speaking the truth? We must speak the truth. That's her. That's like the only thing she says. Speak truth. I don't know what truth. I don't know who she's speaking to, but she's doing it. Um, and on that note, I think we've already touched on the highlight, which is the fly. Let's uh, let's end on the low light of the debate. And I think that was the very close, where the moderator posed a question that was written in by an eighth grader. Uh, To ask the two candidates. Steve, would you like to introduce that?
0: Yeah, sure. So they opened it up to... I'm not going to dig into it. So this is what the question was. I'll just get Craig. I'll cut right to it. So this is the essay that ended up becoming the final debate question, which again was written by an eighth grader.
1: Brecklin, an eighth grade student at Springville Junior High in Springville, Utah. I'm just telling you right now, Brecklin... Actually, let me not be rude. I've already said her name. Here, go ahead and read the quote.
0: When I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. When I watch the news, all I see are two candidates from opposing parties trying to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are the citizens supposed to get along? And then the question, how is your presidency going to unite and heal our country?
1: So she asked that of both Pence and Kamala Harris. I thought Pence had a really good response. He talked about how, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Antonin Scalia, both of whom have uh, passed away in recent years, um, even though they're opposite ends of the Supreme Court, they were very close friends and really sort of a a shining light in Washington of how despite ideological differences, people can really at their core put those aside and get along with each other. Um, I thought this question was just the dumbest thing in the world. Okay.
0: How can you like, what did Kamala say? say? You're just going to give Pence all the credit. I mean, what was her response? Uh, She had some boring
1: ass response. She's like, Oh, you know, when I hear, uh, eighth graders ask questions like you, I'm just, uh, so I feel so good about the future of our country. And it's like, really? Who gives a shit? Okay. Some kid asks a question. Do you really care? No, you don't. And I think the reason why it bothered me so much, and Steve, I know you have a different take, was it's just like the question in essence is, why are you guys, why is there any conflict whatsoever? Can't we all just get along and do our own thing? It's like, no, some people are idiots. Some people have stupid opinions. I have stupid opinions on plenty of things. But you know what? The only way I'm going to improve and the only way other people are going to get better is If you shoot down those stupid opinions and actually challenge them, you can't just sit there and go like, oh, yeah, you know, everyone has a valid point. Everyone, uh, you know, speak your truth. Who cares what other people say? No, fuck that. You should care what other people say. And if there's a little bit of conflict
0: in deciding what to do for 300 million people, God forbid. No, but Nick, that's the point. It's not about caring what other people have to say. And you know what? I will go on the record. I will say that, you know what? I thought this was a great question, and it really strikes at the heart of what's going on in this country. Our leaders don't care what the other parties have to say. I mean, goddammit, look at the stimulus bill. Trump in a tweet goes ahead and you know dismisses all talks on getting in any additional stimulus funds to the American people because of what because of politics. Pelosi and the Republicans have been going at this for several weeks trying to align on a bill. Granted, they have their differences and I agree. They should be able to voice and say no, that's stupid. That point cannot be included in this. And then Trump comes in and dismisses the whole thing. There is just this sense of complete opposition between both parties to the point where nothing gets done. And I think that event really illustrates that. And I mean, you want to talk again about citizens getting along, which is more to the point of this question. Look around the country and how much violence there is, you know, between uh, around protesters. I mean, goddammit, the governor of Michigan, there was a plot that was just unfoiled to kidnap her and kill police officers in the process of doing so. And, you know, you talk about getting along. What are they going to do? This is a pressing issue in America. You take out every one of the policy issues that these two candidates came to the stage to discuss, and you digest it down to that simple question about how are we going to get along for the next four years? How are we going to mend the animosity and the hatred that our political polarization has caused? And, you know, they didn't answer that at all. They just, again, touted this bullshit to your point about Kamala, how bright the future is. Shut up, Kamala. You know, there's going to be no future if this stuff... (laughs) No, but seriously, there is going to be no future if this type of rhetoric continues. And I mean, in the last four years, we've seen how violent this country can become. And I'm not just talking about white supremacists or whatever radical groups you want to call, I think in general, we've seen a level of violence that maybe has always been there, but at least hasn't been so publicly demonstrated before. So yes, how are we supposed to get along when our leaders can't demonstrate the decency to listen to each other and to actually agree on doing what's right for the American people instead of getting caught in the bullshit politics of seemingly every issue today?
1: You know, Steve, I... That was a really good response. It made me think and question my own position for a second. And then I realized <laughs> I can completely disregard it. And you want to know why? I want to know why, now In the wake of 9-11, you know, if, you go to, if, you went, if you looked inside the Congress, what was going on at that time? We were making the decision to invade a foreign country. And you know what? Sure, there was some passion involved. But overall, everyone got along. It was all calm. And you know what happened? Thousands died. You know what happened at Abu Ghraib prison? We raped, tortured, and did disgusting things to prisoners at a CIA black site. And you know how that was discussed? Calmly with everyone agreeing and getting along. So you know what? I don't really give a shit about being people being calm and getting along. What I care about is what comes out of those talks. If someone's being very fiery in their approach, but there's a good outcome, so be it. Sure, sometimes it can be a little tiring to listen to people going back back and forth, talking over each other and whatever, but whenever there's some sort of conflict, instead of having this boil up to the surface and actually get somewhere with it, transform the conflict into an actual solution, I think what's been happening too often in this country is, again, that calm facade where you say a bunch of shit on Twitter, you say a bunch of shit about the other political party, and then in person, you're nice enough, you're not that mean, You don't do anything too big. And you know what's been happening? Nothing for the past like 20 years. Nothing has been happening. And there's been plenty of calm moments. There's been plenty of civility. So I don't know, man. I just, I don't really value civility as far as debating. Like, especially when you're deciding the direction of an entire country. Do I want you to be civil? To some degree. I want you to be somewhat polite, somewhat put together. But if it comes to actually fighting on very important issues such as abortion, criminal justice, climate change, etc. It doesn't matter to me if you say it in a nice tone. I care about the substance of what you're saying,
0: and if you're able to be persuasive. That's all, bottom line. And I agree with you, Nick, and I'm not getting at saying that we can't have fiery conversations that are devoid of passion, because to your point, yes, that's what gets things done. You have someone coming in with perhaps new ideas, perhaps not, but they're passionate about it and they're willing to fight and they're willing to have the hard conversations with other members of the party, other members of the opposition. But what I think, again, what this question gets at, I mean, and maybe it's just really the current administration, but you look at the aftermath at this debate. I mean, Trump goes on to, what is it? Fox News calls Kamala a monster. I mean, there was, what was it? There was this consulting group within DC and the head of it went on to go ahead and call Kamala a bitch. And in the subsequent aftermath of that, almost every single one of their clients, which honestly, a lot of the clients that this consulting group had advertised as representing on their website proved to be false, such as American Airlines, um, so a couple of big pharmaceutical companies, They all came out and said, no, we don't support a comment like that at all. We're ceasing and desisting all interactions with this person, with this consulting, with this uh, lobbying group, I should say, if we had any to begin with. And I think that's kind of the rhetoric here. It's not even going in and trying to have a debate with people. It's just hearing the opposition and saying, you're an idiot. You're a monster. What are you talking about? Not even acknowledging their points, being so grounded in their beliefs and their animosity towards I don't know, maybe maybe it's change. Maybe it's to the opening their eyes to something new or seeing that, hey, there is a benefit to actually coming together as a party, as parties, as a country, and getting things done. Instead, what we see is just really just rampant hate and bullshit and just all this toxicity that we see so commonly today. And I don't really know if there is going to be a future you know, w- w- with that here. And I think a lot of that has to do, I don't want to get into it now, a lot of it has to do with the, the technological era we're in, the accessibility of social media, how easy it is for anyone to put their two cents online without even thinking. Including and, us. Including us. I mean, who are we to go ahead and say that? The only thing I will say is at least we do keep things civil and- For the most you part. Know, And, you know, I think this iterates it. You know, we don't always see eye to eye. Nick hates the question. I think it's a great question. But what's the takeaway here? And I think, you know, cut me off if I'm completely wrong. Call me a monster. But I think what we're both getting at is that, yes, passion and having a fiery disposition over an issue that you care about is acceptable, is necessary to get things done. But what isn't is just blatantly dismissing the other party or other person because they have an idea that's different than yours. I think that is the key problem here that both candidates, both parties, need to address moving forward if we're to have a united country and actually a democratic institution in the future.
1: I disagree. So that was a lovely note to end on, but I disagree. Okay, if someone puts uh, water in their cereal, uh, that's disgusting to me. I don't care what their uh, rationale is. It's gross. It's not right. It's unnatural. And something should be done about it. So I take your point. I think this has been an illuminating conversation. And I've enjoyed it, as always. Uh, but I don't know, man. Sometimes you just got to call it like you see it. And someone who eats their cereal with water its a monster, a bitch, and it's despicable.
0: I really don't know what to say to that. I'm almost in awe. I think that this this really shows a lot about your character, Nick. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to kind of push this out of my mind. But, you know, we'll we'll see if that's possible moving forward. You know, I might just, you know, after this, maybe I'll go downstairs. I'll pour myself a bowl of Rice Krispies. You wouldn't dare. And I'm going to go ahead and pour a big old bottle of Fiji water in there and just demolish that thing. Because you know why? I'm open to new ideas.
1: All right, man. Well... I, I propose, and here's a new idea. Uh, you don't do that, uh, that we end this show, and we live to talk another day. And uh, let's let's bring in a special guest for the next episode uh, to, to the listeners, Ooh, to the viewers. a special uh, guest. We're going to be talking about voting, who gets to do it, how it gets to be done, and we're going to be bringing on a special guest, our first special guest to the pod. So stay tuned.